This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. It's a beautiful night. We're looking for something dumb to do. Hey, baby. I think I want to marry you. Congratulations to the newlywed couple, Olivia Voldaren and Edgar. Is that, those are the two? It is, Ed, it is Edgar, but congratulations only to Olivia, I think, in this case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edgar is still, I mean, he's looking pretty dead these days, but that's cool. I mean, look. Edgar aged a lot since the last time we saw him. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> he's looking pretty funky. Um, what's up, everyone? You're watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. This is the mono-colored New Commander review from Crimson Vow. The Vow, of course, being the wedding between our two titular characters. And we've got some cool cards to talk about today. Yeah, uh, uh, not as many as the multicolored, which is great. There are six monocolored commanders in the set. We're going to talk about all of them, all the cool synergies, combos, the normal thing we do. But before we get into it, if you are watching this episode, you are probably excited to build around some of the commanders we're about to talk about. But first, you need to have those cards in your possession if you want to build those decks. And the best place to go to get all of your magic cards is channelfireball.com slash command. They have a brand new marketplace, tons of vendors. All the vendors are vetted, so you're going to get professional level of quality. And mm-hmm. hey, let's face it, you're going to buy magic cards anyway. Crimson Vow looks sweet. You're going to get a bunch of these cards no matter what it is that we say today. You may as well just use our affiliate link, channelfireball.com slash command, when you are buying that stuff stuff that you're going to get anyway, and you'll just get thrown in as gravy, supporting all of our content, Game Nights, Extra Turns, all of it. Yep, and with every new set means new commander products, new cards for commanders, so you want to pick those up before everyone else. Surprise your table with a card that they have no idea is going to hit them and uh, win the game that way. That's yeah. always a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, also, big shout out to Ultra Pro, who makes all of the amazing product that we feature on Game Nights and Extra Turns. You can see in front of us these incredible new deck boxes that they've made with the showcase art. I've got Arlen on mine. You have good old Olivia yep. on yours. These are super high quality deck boxes uh they are so highly reviewed everywhere across the board they've got amazing magnetic clasps and they're just one of many different offerings that ultra pro has when it comes to protecting your game pieces josh and i've been using them for decades now quite literally and i have always been so happy to have my product protected whenever i'm traveling going to an lgs or a convention hopefully more of those soon in the future so by buying ultra pro you're also supporting the show this show our shows all the shows all the shows all the content and the final way to support all of that is directly if you go to patreon.com slash man zone you can talk to jimmy and i on our discord yeah. each and every day if you're at the right patreon level all patrons get access to extra turns and game nights earlier than the general public so they get to watch that stuff before it comes out and uh, spoiler alert the crimson vow episode of um, my brain is working overtime here because i'm like does this episode come out before <laughs> the crimson vow game nights i believe it does your internal calendar is pretty impressive yeah we'll see um but you will get to watch at least the next episode of game nights whatever it is early the next episode of mm-hmm. extra turns early if you Ad become free yeah if you become a uh, patron uh, and also another perk is we shout out one lucky patron every single episode and this episode is dedicated, dedicated to juan franco. franco juan you rock thank you juan okay, okay. let's get into it the monocolored commanders from crimson vow now listen small note yeah there are uh two partner partner partners with pairings um one in each commander pre-con deck for this set we're not going to talk about those in this episode because eh, 
for all intents and purposes, those are multicolored, right? Nobody's yeah, really yeah, going to yeah. run just one of them as the lead singer of their deck. Or, you know, I know there's somebody out there going, well, I will, but like, <laughs> it's a very small percentage. So we're yep. all, we are going to talk about the monocolored commanders, though, that do come in the commander product because you have no choice but to run those as monocolored decks if you, if you want them to be your lead singer. So yep. uh, again, six cards total. Um, new slash returning mechanics. We talked about this already in our multicolored set review, which was um, episode 429. So if you want to hear us talk about the mechanics, the new and returning, go see that episode. We're not going to waste any time here. Yep. Unfortunately, not too many complicated mechanics on the cards today. Nice and straightforward. So let's dive into it in alphabetical order, no less. In alphabetical order. Okay. The first monocolored commander is a, is a, a mono blue one. It's interesting. It's Donald, Herald of Wings. Two blue blue for a 3-3 human wizard. It says... Whenever you cast a non-legendary creature spell with flying, you may copy it, except the copy is a 1-1 spirit in addition to its other types. Ooh. Do this only once each turn. And it says in parentheses, the copy becomes a token. So if you cast a non-legendary creature spell with flying, you make a token copy of it that's a 1-1 spirit, uh, which will also have flying. So basically, you get its abilities, but not its power and toughness. Yeah, really important to note, and this has caused a lot of confusion, when you're copying a spell, you are not creating a token. So cards like Anointed Procession, Doubling Season, they don't actually make you a second copy of it. You are copying the spell, and the spell becomes a token. So it doesn't create a token. It doesn't create a token, right. So it's basically the exact same card, but it is a 1-1 spirit in addition to its other types, and it cannot be a legendary spell that you're copying with Donald. Uh, we should note that this card is from the Spirit Squadron Commander Precon, which mm-hmm. was revealed by our friend over uh, at MTG Mudsta. Um, again, it says non-legendary, so that's important to just make sure. So it's flying, non-legendary cards with ETBs are going to be probably for the most part. I guess there are a lot of cards without ETBs that are still going to be good. Yeah, but I mean, it, just getting two of anything in general, if it's a good card, is going to give you a thumbs up. So we'll talk about some good flyers to copy. Yeah, let's talk about the best flyers to copy here. One of my favorite cards of all time. I think yours as well, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. It happens to be a flyer. It's Drifter. Oh, it's so cute. Uh, so it's four and a blue for a 2-2 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you draw two cards, but it has Evoke for two and a blue, which means if you pay the Evoke cost when it enters the battlefield, you sacrifice it, but you'll still get the draw two cards. Yeah. The great thing here is if you evoke it out, you'll get still the 1-1... One, one copy spell. Copy spell and draw four. Yeah. So for three mana, draw four, get a 1-1. One, one. That's, <laughs> that's pretty darn good. That's broken. Yeah, that's, that is actually close to broken when it comes to the rate that you're going to get in blue normally. So Yeah, So that, and that's a very simple... Um, uh, interaction just shows you, I think, how good ETBs are because this Donald kind of works as a slightly better panharmonicon in a lot of ways. Yeah, and he's the Herald of Wings, so he cares about flyers. And there just so happen to be a lot of high value flying creatures. Moldrifter is obviously one that we talk about a bunch on the show. And anytime you can get around the devote cost, anytime you can cheat mana cost, essentially, it's always going to be a good thing. Um, there's also another amazing card called Consecrated Sphinx. Uh, well, I have there's get, one without an ETB. Yeah, exactly. And I actually got two of those out uh, on a recent ex- episode of Extra Turns. I actually got three of them at one point. I would say, is that a ringing endorsement of having a lot of that card? Because it seems like, um, <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything, but that, that could be dangerous. Yeah, it's actually really dangerous. And that single event, right? I had Volo in that in that case. I copied a Consecrated Sphinx. Had two of them. That completely gave me the advantage. Uh, because even if you get rid of one, you still have the other. And being able to draw that many cards with two Sphinxes out is pretty nuts. And, and the fact that it's a 1-1 one, one doesn't really matter because nobody's playing Consecrated Sphinx because it's a yeah. 4-6 flyer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, playing yeah. it because it draws two cards when your opponents draw one card. Mm-hmm. So being able mm-hmm. to draw four cards when your opponent draws a card is 
pretty, pretty nuts. And I like that as an example of something that's not an enter the battlefield effect. Yep. Uh, and here's another one that's not an enter the battlefield effect that would be good to copy. Curiosity Crafter. It's a card that says you have no maximum hand size, which is great with your Consecrated Sphinx you just played, hopefully. And whenever a creature token you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. So creature tokens, you're going to be making a lot with Donald. Curiosity Crafter yeah, is happy flying for that. Too. Yeah, and every single creature that you're playing in the deck should presumably have flying. So that means you're making a token every single time with Donald. Uh, again, only once a turn, but every time with that flying creature hits someone, and it's a good chance it will for a 1-1 with flying. Those often get in. You'll draw a card. So you'll refill your hand, and you'll be able to find more of these awesome flowers to cast and not just murder people with. Uh, same goes for Wind Reader Sphinx. It's a very similar card. Whenever a creature with flying attacks, you may draw a card. So it's both on your side and if someone else decides to attack you with a flyer. Seven a CMC, though. I like the Curiosity Crafter better. Indeed. Um, there's stuff that's going to allow you to steal things. So Gilded Drake and Sower of Temptation both have flying, both steal other creatures. Gilded Drake now steal nuts. two things. <laughs> yeah. Gilded Drake's insane because you give them a 1 1 token mm-hmm. uh, and you get their best thing. I mean, Gilded Drake is always insane. Yeah. Yeah, for two. Do you know, I now. cracked one of those in a pack. That may have been the most unreal. Um, that's why I'm pretty sure we're living in a simulation. <laughs> Dude, okay, the card that we cracked—it <laughs> was insane. It's insane. So we. Uh, this is a little side tangent. Sorry. Um, we went to Utah to visit Post Malone back in like June or something. Mm-hmm. He took us to his LGS, and then the sort of the oldest packs they had there were the Urza's uh, block stuff. Yep. So we decided to buy, what is it, Saga Legacy? Saga. Destiny? Yeah. Saga. And and Pussy and I had a kind of like, if you buy one and crack one, I'll buy one and crack one. So <laughs> I, I was like, okay. So the there's the best card you can get is uh, Guy's Cradle, I think. Uh, that's in, No, that's in the next one. So the best one in this set is the Monolith. Oh. Or, or Gr- Grim Monolith, yeah. So he cracks a Grim Monolith in his, and I crack a Gilded Drake in mine, which is like the second best card you could get. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> the chances of that happening are almost infinitesimally small. And it was a pre-opened box. Yeah. Just two random packs out of it from the store. I could not believe my eyes. Anyway, yeah. Gilded Drake, very good in the Donald deck, obviously getting two copies of it. Same with Sword of Temptation. Uh, you can also get a lot of creatures that help untap things, which means you're going to do it twice as much. So a Palancron is just oh the classic combo maker. It's a seven mana flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you untap up to seven lands. However, you cast this with Donald. That means 14 lands. So you could tap them all. With the triggers on the sack, untap them, float some more mana, do something crazy with all that mana still in your main phase. Yeah, a lot of times you have, let's say, seven mana, but you end up up seven mana by the time that's over. Yeah. Plus, Palancron bounces itself as its activated ability back oh, to your hand, yeah. which means you just... So even if you don't go infinite with it, it's just like giving you seven mana every turn. Yeah, yeah, you can just get it back and you have the token copy still out there. So next turn, you can play your Palancron and go all out again. Yep. Uh, Cloud of Fairies is another one. It's a two mana for a 1-1 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, untap two lands. So again, you could untap four lands with this thing when it makes the copies. Yep, Peregrine Drake, almost the exact same thing. Five lands for a five mana flyer. So all of these are very similar in their builds, but they will allow you to do a lot with them. And then I think there's just a ton of combo potential. You're in mono blue, so you're going to have a lot of shenanigans. Scholar of the Lost Trove uh, I already is just, again, it's a seven mana card, but these are the kinds of cards you play it. You get two triggers of it. You can cast an ar- instant sorcery or artifact from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. So getting to do that twice should Ooh. typically end the game for you. Same oh, thing goes Delivering for... Delivering <laughs> Primordial is brutal. <laughs> yeah, Delivering Primordial, again, and so... At this point, we've, we've spoken about, what, like six different cards with five or six or seven CMC. So you'll probably p- take your pick in the direction you would go right, with Right, don't deck. put all of these in the deck because then you'll do nothing for the first fu- you know six turns of the game. Yeah, but the combo potential might be the best with just this single card, which you wrote down best card in the deck, and it might be. Yeah, I think it's weird, but Shrieking Drake might be the best card in this deck. It's one blue mana for a 1-1 flyer, Drake. But it says, 
uh, when it comes into, sorry, when it enters the battlefield, return a creature you control to its owner's hand. Mm. So what's great about this is you're going to make a copy of it. You're going to bounce two creatures you control and it can bounce itself. Yeah. For one mana. So you bounce itself and then it resets, you know, something else that you can then play later, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really good. And one of the things, if you, we're going to talk about combo potential a little farther here but if you can get like a pan armonicon or something with this Woo-hoo. you could actually bounce donald to replay it so then you oh. could trigger it again on the turn because you don't do this only once each turn right but if donald gets bounced or flickered it'll see itself as a new copy and then you can go all out again you'll say oh we haven't done this before because i wasn't here before right so yeah. some palancron shrieking drake donald combo you're just you're drake, the, yeah, yeah, anything you're like that. off to the races um and then you can also just play meaner magic so you can play <laughs> counter spells like glenelander archmage oh, now brutal. you get essentially three counters on the stick because you play the glenelander you copy it and that one still has the ability to pay balloon sack to tar- counter target non-creature spell and that token disappears but then you have your regular glenelandra who will die I come back, persist, and then with Shriek and Drake, maybe you bounce, bounce back. back do it. again. Oh, okay, never mind. I don't want you to do this. No one do this. <laughs> Siren Storm Tamer is another uh, counter spell, sort of on a one-one flying creature. So you get two of them. Yep. Siren Storm Tamer are already very powerful. Yep, yep. Um, and then there's just a lot of just like regular value creatures you could probably play in this deck. Fairy Seer is a one blue mana for a one-one flyer. That one enters the battlefield. You scry two. So that's just scry four one mana. Pretty good. Yep. Pretty pretty good. D- don't forget, you're paying one mana for two one ones. Yeah. Flying. Like, that's already just really good rate. Like, think of Lingering Souls and things like that. Like, yeah, the rate of yeah, one yeah. mana, two one one flyers that do something is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have Warden of Evos out to make all of your flyers cost less. Or you can play, like, Ornithopter of Paradise. Get two Ornithopters. Two mana dorks. And you're good. in mono blue, so you do need ramp like this. Uh, remember, it, uh, Donald does say once each turn. So that means that if you can find flyers that have flash or give them flash then you can take advantage of it more than just your turn right we say Mm -hmm. this all the time but those are important words to pay attention to i do it once on my turn once on jimmy's once on mel's once on maria's you know you haven't you need a lot of mana or a lot of low cmc things to do that but yeah it's it's a possibility so flyers with flash become a lot better Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of spirits that do this spectral sailor is one that's just a one mana flyer that does this and again you can just build out a big board right and starting pecking in with a bunch of one ones is going to win you the game brazen borrower as well just because it has two different sides to it so you get to basically i mean look just getting more creatures out and they're all flyers are very good dream eater brutal Six mana flash flyer that surveils four and enters the battlefield. And you can return a target non-land permanent in opponent control to so its owner's so hand. Surveil eight, eight. Bounce two things. Yeesh. Yeesh. Yeah. Uh, and of course, our favorite cards to talk about, Vidalcan Ori, Leyline of Anticipation, Winding Canyons, all just kind of kind of give uh, flash to all your flyers. Yeah. And then I think you want to like do this a lot because at some point you don't have the right pieces out or you just want to recycle the ones that you already have so cards like twinning staff allows you to double a copy up every single time you cast it it's a three mana artifact from a commander precon crystal shard you're in mono blue so you can use this to bounce your own creatures to your own hand and as we mentioned panharmonicon just to double up on every enter the, now you're getting like four enter the battlefield triggers oh my gosh yeah because if you shrieking drake it enters the battlefield uh, the token enters the battlefield, triggers twice, and then the regular open enters the battlefield, <laughs> triggers twice. So bounce four of your own things. Actually, you might not even want to do that. It's so much stuff. But you just be like, whatever, I'll bounce the token as one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. And then there's also Cloudstone Curio, which is like a huge combo piece as well. Just like play a creature, you can bounce a creature. So again, all of that stuff I think would be good Normal in sort of this blink deck. shenanigans stuff is going to be good, right? Yep. I also think like uh, Spirit Fairies Flying Tribal is a thing. This is the maybe lower powered version. Mm-hmm. And Donald probably goes in the 99 of these decks, but like Inez, yep. um, 
Donald probably just goes in there, right? Because you have all flyers as creatures, and that's a flying deck. And if yeah. you have a certain number of flyers, that's when you start getting to uh, exchange the control of permanents. So mm -hmm. getting extra token copies whenever you cast a flyer means oh, that's you, great. you'll have more flyers, which means you'll trigger Inez more often. Right, and you can give them a poopy 1-1 one, one instead of the 6-6 six, six that the actual flyer is. Or yeah, whatever. you can have my 1-1 one, one token that I already got the ETB off of, so whatever. Right. Uh, and also just think of getting two, like, patrician geists. Oh, yeah. Know, <laughs> which is spells you cast from your graveyard, cost one less to cast, but all your spirits get plus one plus one yeah so you get all your spirits get plus two plus two or like drog skull captain is really good if you get two of them oh yeah because they give each other hex proof right other spirits you control get plus one plus one and have hex proof yeah so th the other one is another one to the other one so they all get yeah. hex proof that's pretty cool double up on the karmic guy when you have white in there and that seems pretty good as well yeah so. get two things back yeah and then that point if all your creatures have entered the battlefield abilities then you're just you're just hopping on that value train so it seems pretty good i think donald's pretty strong and i like that they've find found a way to kind of narrow it a little bit by saying oh it's got to be with flying right yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, so it's, it seems like a cool card you're gonna be able to do cool stuff but you can't just like make any creature you know you make a one one spirit token copy of it yeah has to be flying like once volo. a turn non-legendary but still pretty darn powerful as we have seen with volo all right, let's talk about the next one. It is Garolf, Visionary Stitcher, two in the blue for a legendary creature, Human Wizard 1-4. Zombies you control have flying. Ooh. And for a blue, you can tap Garolf and sacrifice another non-token creature. Create an XX blue zombie creature token where X is the sacrifice creature's toughness. So it's a weird mono blue zombie... Matters deck. Zombie matters, also butts matter. Butts matter, yeah. Zombie um, butts matter. Zombie butts matter in mono blue. <laughs> Never really thought we'd see the day. Uh, I would compare this to Ghoul Caller Gisa, who we know is related to Garolf. Gisa is about making uh, X zombies where X is the sacrifice creature's power. So Gisa's like going wide and Garolf is going tall is I making guess. one zombie yeah, yeah and cares about the toughness and she's making a bunch of zombies and cares about the power so that's kind of cute that they're similar-esque Garof being a three-man commander though i think is pretty important because that means that you can get your game plan online much sooner yeah although it's a mono blue commander i mean let's talk about some cool mono blue zombie cards mm -hmm. there's clever scab three in the blue for a cleaver. two four. Oh, cleaver sorry leave it to cleaver he is not clever <laughs> this guy does not look clever at all it's a two four so it's got a big butt and you can pay three and tap it to sacrifice another zombie and to create two tokens that are copies of the sacrificed creature so that's actually really great because that means garolf can now take those creatures oh wait no i'm sorry non-token copies yeah so this is all about i guess sacrifice fodder the cleaver scab wants to cleave things well, what you could do is have uh, Geralt make a copy of, or sorry, sacrifice a creature, make a big zombie. Mm -hmm. Then you could sacrifice that zombie, the, the zombie to make, to make two, two of it right, with right. Cleaver scab. I like that. That's pretty fun. Um, Rooftop Storm is obviously the mono blue zombie card of choice. All zombie spells, creature spells cost zero now to cast. Except yeah. for Geralt himself, because he's not a zombie. Poppet Stitcher is a new one from Midnight Hunt. This just creates zombie tokens with Decayed, and if you make some more, you can flip it into the Poppet Factory, which is actually pretty powerful. It's basically humility. Um, but it makes creature tokens you control lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 3-3 three, three, so it makes all of the tokens you're making a little bit bigger a little weird with Garolf though because he might make like a 6-6 six, six. yeah I, I, it sounds seems like counter synergy you're gonna make the <laughs> the token smaller that's why I think mono blue is a weird place to be for a zombie commander I think that's what you have to talk about with this card which is it gives all zombies flying and it makes zombies um, doesn't care if you're sacrificing zombies but at yeah. the same time Mono blue as a zombie color by itself doesn't seem great. Most mono black has the most zombies. Yeah. And then white and blue also have zombie uh, stuff going on. But also, Geralt is sacrificing creatures. So you really want black because 
and it's sacrificing uh, non-token creatures. So you really want black because you want recursion or white at least, but blue is not a recursion color, not for creatures anyway. Yeah. Uh, so it just seems like it, it sort of works against itself as far as the way the color pie works. It, it makes me think that Jelf is not going to be a good zombie commander by itself. No, I mean, the best you can do is that blue has kindred discovery, which allows you to basically choose a creature type and make all the creatures enter uh, when those creatures enter the battlefield or taxi draw cards. It's like, cool, you have zombies. Great. But it doesn't really feel that good and if you look at the options it's like okay we have like turtles there's like ages turtles is zero five to yeah get i mean big butt. yeah it, i think we're transitioning here to discussing like the a different version of the deck that's just like okay well what if yeah, we yeah. said forget zombies let's make a big butts deck like what are the stuff that blue can cast that costs the least amount of mana but has the highest toughness yeah that makes and sense blue's actually pretty good at that yeah because jerov will make the zombie that has flying so you don't necessarily need to put them in your deck so blue does have a lot of those because we have some walls and stuff but aegis turtle is a zero five for one mana it's like an unplayable card otherwise but hey now it becomes a five five when jerov sacks it but you gotta tap jerov you gotta sack it so it's two mana for a five five which yeah. is fine but it has some downsides there's shield sphere which is not a blue card but it's zero mana it's oh zero six. six yeah oh this one's a big one cherix the raging isle it's two blue blue for a zero seventeen yep uh spells your opponents cast that target cherix cost two more to cast but you can pay three and cherix gets plus x ne- negative x till in turn where x is the number of islands you control which you don't want to do because yeah, it doesn't matter you're, you're just going to sack this thing to make a 17 17 yeah the problem is that the, you're making tokens they're going to be pretty fragile and there's a lot of ways to get rid of them there's wall of junk it's two mana zero seven that you would never play in any deck except for something like i this. think it's fine for them to make like a toughness matters you know big butts mm-hmm. blue deck it's too bad this says zombie on it so many times to kind of i think lead people maybe in the wrong direction yeah i, I wish the top line zombies you can draw a flying was something else that also had to do with the big butts theme which would make this a little bit more cohesive as a strategy and maybe mm-hmm. get us excited about playing the turtles and stuff because this feels like okay well if i go with these walls they're not really gonna you know i have to go through these other hoops to get the zombie part going so that i can maybe get flying and you know what am i gonna like yeah exciting i hit him for five in the air yeah you know it's not that big of a deal and then if i go a zombie route i feel like i'm missing all these pieces that black is giving me so you, yeah. yeah it just feels a little i don't know yeah, I think, I mean, like, this deck is just, like, finding cute interactions. I feel like this is kind of the deck that you can make up in your brain and then play it out and then be like, cool, I did it. <laughs> I built the deck. I think I'm probably better off just taking Jeralf and putting it into a Demir Zombies deck with another commander. Yeah, you know, that's you got, probably... You got zero, you got a lot bigger butts, and you got many more zombies to play with. Otherwise, you could do some silly things. Everyone's always looking for ways to break, like, Phyrexian Dreadnought, which is a one-mana 12-12. You can enter the battlefield with a trigger on the sack. Jeralf exactly. sacks it, makes a 12-12. But, yeah, you know, at this point just put it in a black deck uh, or a blue black deck because you got like unhallowed phalanx it's a zero th- 113 that just came out in midnight or crimson vow sweet 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 yeah <laughs> we're not that excited about it what does mine say dude <laughs> all right okay. let's move on to the next uh one which is a mono black flip uh card it's not a daybound nightbound card it's a transform card yep it is henrika domnathy 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 don't don't ask me. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, we did it. All right. Uh, Henrika is two black black for a one three vampire legendary with flying. At the beginning of combat on your turn, choose one that hasn't been chosen. Mm. Each player sacrifices a creature. You draw a card and lose one life or transform Henrika. Don't ask me. <laughs> so at the beginning of combat on your turn, you can draw a card and lose a life the first time, but the next time, the next combat, 
you won't be able to do that. You have to choose one of the other ones because you've already chosen the draw card part. Mm-hmm. So everyone's wondering, what does Henrika do uh, when transformed? She becomes Henrika Infernal Seer, a 3-4 vampire with flying death touch and lifelink. Oh, the Holy Trinity. A 3-4 uh, vampire Nighthawk kind yeah, of. pretty nice. But has an activated ability of one black black. So for every one black black that you pay, each creature you control with flying death touch and or lifelink gets plus one plus O until end of turn. Okay. So it's going to pump up your entire team of flying death touch or lifelinkers. This can be any of those three or all three. It doesn't really matter. I wish it would have given plus one plus O for each of those that they have. That would be pretty cool, right? Because this then, three mana, at least she gets three power. Yeah. But three mana, you know, she gets one power. I know you're hoping to have like <laughs> some other vampires out there that have some of this stuff. Um, yeah. But and it's I just guess, a lot of mana to pump your team. I guess they have to make it kind of balanced for the limited type and first standard, standard and stuff. Yeah, and I historic guess, and all I that. I guess maybe they got to think about that. Yeah, so Henrika's interesting. It's definitely one of those cards that I think it looks pretty good on the surface for just being like a cool mythic with a sweet backside. Um, but each player sacrificing a creature is typically not amazing in Commander. So I think what you want to do is just make use of Henrika Domnathi as many times as possible because the front side, drawing a card, losing a life every turn, that's pretty good. And, um, and the sacrifice effect can be good, right? Yeah. Sometimes you're going to want to do that. I wish it didn't say that choose one that hasn't been chosen because it feels like this is a weird card where you don't actually want to flip it that often. You'd rather have the front side. I'd rather be drawing the cards or making people sack the creatures most of the time and then flip it only in the instance where I have a big enough board where that's going to try matter. To swing out, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of unfortunate that it's, you know, once you do the other two, you have to flip it. Uh, unless you've, you know, jumped through some hoops, sacked it, recurred it somehow, blinked it, I guess, but you're in mono black, so you probably yeah, can't do that. Not much blinking in mono black. I think you have recursion in mono black, obviously. Phyrexian Reclamation is a way to bring cards back from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, there's also a lot of reanimate type stuff. I actually like, if you play this deck, maybe you're playing a lot of cards like Kaya's Ghost Form, which you enchant a creature, or it says, when well, next time this creature would die, it returns to your battlefield under your control in the next end step or whatever. Oh, that's nice because you can play Henrika, Kaya's Ghost Form it, choose the each player sacrifices a creature thing. Mm-hmm. Boom, you sacrifice Enrica, but it has Kai's Ghost Form and comes back. Comes back, yeah. And now you can choose Sacrifice a Creature next turn again. It's each combat, though, so you can't, it's not even like you get your second Plague Crafter trigger or something. Yeah, right? yeah. And then just comparing this to like a Shieldred makes you go, well, eh, I don't well, know. Well, Shieldred about costs that. seven mana, though. True, it's true. But at least it does it every upkeep, right? It's like a consistent effect. Henrika, I feel like just having to wait every turn, everyone sees it coming, they can play around it, it's not going to be as effective. Any combo that makes infinite black mana will equal infinite damage with Henrika. So once you get her flipped, mm-hmm. if you have infinite mana, you can infinitely pump at least Henrika. You'll yeah. gain infinite life. Not technically infinite, right? You have to choose a number, but one million life or whatever. Some multiple of three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess that's cool. There are ways in mono black to make infinite mana. A classic one is Machias the Unhallowed plus Puppeteer Click pu- plus Phyrexian Altar. Yeah, just a way to just get stuff back over and over and over and over again. And the Phyrexian Altar is going to make you the black mana every single time. But, you know, if you can make infinite mana, I think we've pretty well concluded that you will win in some way, shape, or form. You don't necessarily need yeah. this, you know, Henrika to do it. So Henrika is probably just best if you're looking for a sort of like a beat facey type commander in mono black. You can sort of maybe theme it around vampires because there are a lot of creatures that give you similar effects like vampire Nighthawk and Nighthawk Scavenger. Yeah, I mean, you really don't need them to be vampires. They just have to have flying death touch or lifelink and right. then you kind of go wide uh, because she's going to pump all the creatures. Mm-hmm. So that feels like she incentivizes you to just be like have a lot of flyers or whatever right it's probably flyers because they're the easiest to kind of find but yeah if you've got some lifelink and death touch mix in there fine yeah bitter blossom might be the best for this because it makes you flyers early on gives you sacrifice fodder when you need it and then you just make them all 
nice and buff with Henrika. Well, I guess not buff. They're, they're attacky strong. Um, and you can play like Whip of Erebos, give your creatures lifelink, so now everyone gets the benefit. Archetype of Finality is the same, but for Death Touch. That I guess cool. if you wanted to fit this in the 99, okay. there's a lot of different places to do it. So Zagreus, Thief of Heartbeats, gives you extra combats, so that means you can use Henrika over and over again, but it is three mana each time, so it's kind of a pain. Um, but it gives the other creatures you control have Death Touch, so that is a way for everyone to get there with Death Touch. Um, Falthus, Shadowcat Familiar, allows you to pair with other commanders I mean, that have Death Touch. I want to go back to Zagreus really quick, because oh, yeah. extra combats are really good with Henrika for a couple of reasons. One is you'll get through the triggers on her front side. Then Transformer, if she pumps, you'll get the pump for every attack that... Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, because it stays around for the second combat. Yeah, and because Zagreus gives Death Touch everything, you will be pumping your entire team no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. So she does feel like a shoe-in for that deck specifically. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. you could put this in like a choice tribal deck. So Shadrick Silverquill is a deck I built recently that gives you the choice to give players stuff or whatever. Um, as you can also give yourself cool two one flyers, and then you also have Rankle Master of Pranks, which people are saying is the better version. It does of feel Henrique. just better, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's again similar. Like you got to make some choices. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, I like uh, what you mentioned about Falthus. So they have sort of been slowly building this Death Touch tribal. Mm-hmm. You know, they're slowly giving it some tools over the last couple of years. So maybe we're gonna, that's going to become something. And Henrika feels like it's a piece in that deck. Yeah. Although Falthus is a partner, so you can pair it with something else and get a couple more colors going, because I don't think Mono Black's probably going to get there. Yes, please. More yeah. colors, please. Um, and then Taysa Karlov makes a lot of tokens with Vigilance and Lifelink. So that might be good for Henrika because you're making lots of small flyers or whatever it is. And then the Black's Vexing Pest deck, it's got black in it. And all those pests, bats, insects, and snakes and spiders typically do have either flying, death touch, or lifelink. So you can sort of see Henrika maybe doing a, a piece of stuff in there. I think similar to Gerald, she feels like a card that's more likely to go in the 99 of another deck than yep. to kind of get a new deck built around her. But yeah. But a fun card, and obviously for those that love vampires, this is just another addition to the suite of many options that you already have. Yeah, it goes in a vampire deck. Yeah. All right. So that's three down, Jimmy. We've got three Ooh, to go. Not bad. Three more monocolored commanders to get through, and I think the more powerful uh, oh, ones yeah. are coming up. So don't go anywhere. We're just going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. 
life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. All right, we are back talking about the monocolored options for Commander from Crimson Vow. We have six total. The first three, eh, there was like a fun one in there, but the other two were a little lackluster. We can't say the same about these next three because there are a couple in here that are pretty interesting. Uh, and this first one, I think, actually might might potentially be the most powerful of the bunch. Who knows? We'll see. All right, it's Jacob Hauken Inspector. One in a blue for an, uh, an O2 Human Advisor. You can tap Jacob and draw a card, then exile a card from your hand face down. So it's like exile looting. Mm -hmm. You may look at the, that card for as long as it remains exiled. You may pay for blue blue if you do transform Jacob. And on Jacob's backside, it becomes Hawkins Insight, which is a legendary enchantment. Oh. So you don't have a creature anymore. You've got this enchantment instead of your commander. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library face down. You may look at that card for as long as it remains exiled. So it does what Jacob does when it activates, but this does it at the beginning of your upkeep. Mm -hmm. And then it says, once during each of your turns, you may play a land or cast a spell from among the cards exiled with this permanent without paying its mana cost. Whoa. So when it says, with this permanent, that means it will count the cards that Jacob on the creature side did this sort of looting exile thing. So... Mm -hmm. You, so presumably the play pattern is something like tap Jacob, draw a card, discard something into exile, then pay the six mana, flip Jacob, and play the spell you just exiled out of your hand without paying its mana cost. That's the thing I think that a lot of people missed originally about this card was it allows you to cast a spell or play a land from among cards exiled with this permanent without paying its mana cost. Yeah, instantly as well if you flip it. So even though it costs six mana to do so, it doesn't matter because the card you exiled, you can now just cast. Yeah, so the six mana you can get back immediately. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's only on your turns during each of your turns and you can only do this with one of the cards exiled however we know and we always say cheating of mana cost one of the more powerful things you can do uh the front side is a little bit slow 
It's like a merfolk looter. It's like the uh, the Jace, right? It's a two mana card that comes out that taps, draws a card, and then you either discard or exile a card. Feels so, like you want to flip this thing ASAP, right? Like you yeah. want to get it turned over because the more powerful side by far is the hey cast stuff without paying his mana cost side. And there's also an enchantment, which is a lot harder to deal with. Mm. So board wipes, all that stuff. You can also technically pay uh, the cost if someone targets Jacob with a removal spell. You can tap, pay the things, flip it to an enchantment. If the removal spell can't get rid of that, then you're safe. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so uh, there is some built-in protection there. But yeah, I think you just want to get to this backside as fast as possible. Yeah, I like the idea that enchantments are safe because I think you can build this deck and will want to to dump some resources early, mm-hmm. even at card disadvantage to just getting this flipped over. So I think High Tide is is a really important card in this deck. Um, even stuff like uh, Basalt Monolith, Mana Vault, those types of cards that are going to cost you a little bit as far as card advantage mm-hmm. or like you, you may not really want to pay to untap them even at all during the game. But what you're basically using them for is like, I want to get Jacob flipped. You know, if I play it on turn two, I would love to flip it on turn three or four. Yeah. So that I can, you know, really start to do the thing and and with a legendary enchantment i'd be feeling pretty good like enchantment removal is more rare than yeah removal. they'd have to bounce it or whatever keep in mind though that if this enchantment is removed the cards that you have already exiled no longer are going to be seen by jacob or uh, Atkinson, uh, someone that comes back so it's not like Douthy Voidwalker or paco and Haldan, which push fetch counters or uh, void, counters. void counters yeah they don't put a yeah jacob this is a really good point jacob does not put a counter of some type on the cards you exiled yeah. so they can see it again later so if you play jacob Exile a card, flip it over, and then they destroy the legendary enchantment. You replay Jacob, but that's a different card, and it does not see the exiled cards from before. Which is a bummer. So those cards are literally just gone forever, unless it's like an Eternal Scourge type card where you can cast it from exile, but you're not really playing that in this deck. Yeah, so be careful, because I don't think you really want to put a card into exile that's very important to your deck, unless you know for certain you're going to get that Hawkins Insight side and get it in. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you could have that important card in your deck, a combo piece or whatever, just stranded in exile for the for the remainder of the game, which could be bad. And people will see this card, and if they know what it does on the other side, they will try and get rid of it. Like, that is definitely going to happen. So you need to, I think, like, in the early game, if you don't have the man to speed it out, you're just drawing discarding just for regular value. You know, getting rid of a land or something extra that you don't need. And then when you're flipping it finally, then you're going to want to drop your big sort of, like, win-the-game type spells. Um, but also because Hawkins Insight acts similarly to um, the Prismatic Bridge, every upkeep it's going to reveal a card, you also want some top deck manipulation. Yeah, you want to know what that card is on top of your deck or be able to play something good there because, mm-hmm. again, that's going to be... You can't just cast anything out of your hand uh, without paying its mana cost. It's only going to be the cards that this permanent exiled, so you want to make sure that it exiles really good stuff. Yep, and so you know, tons of Scry in blue. There's Surveil, there's Sensei's Divining Top, there's Mystical Tutor to get stuff to the top of your deck, Scroll Rack, Brainstorm, Mystic Sanctuary. These are all options to manipulate the top of your deck and then you're just going to want to win the game yeah what is the really cool stuff that i will want to put on top of my deck jimmy to cast oh, for free i don't know some sort of eldrazi that costs 10 to 15 mana you do cast it from exile without paying its mana cost yep, so, so you get a cast trigger Woo-hoo! yeah you get the cast triggers off of the eldrazi which is a big big deal yeah you can yep. play your ulamogs your kozileks that and kind of stuff because you're running all of those big cards in this deck you can cast omniscience and then you know if you just so happen to have those cards in your hand um, just dump them all out and you pretty much should win the game from that point yeah you can cast omniscience for free off hawkins insight and yeah. then cast the rest of the cards in your hand for free off omniscience the nice thing about this too is if you're playing your high tides and basalt mindless you may actually just get to regularly casting an um, um, omniscience type card because sure, you're trying to be speed like turn out six mana. boom just yeah. high tide it out yeah yeah i like that uh 
Jingataxius is another really big, scary card. Ten mana. I love Sphinx of the Second Sun because oh, yeah. it gives you a second upkeep trigger, um, which means you'll exile two cards with yep. Hawkins Insight. Yep. It, won't allow you, it will not allow you to cast an additional card off it, but just, that just gives you a greater chance of finding good stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then if you want to be really mean, you can play all of the extra turn spells, which I think is how you lock the game out. So Expropriate, Time Stretch, Nexus of Fate. Now, Time Stretch, you can play it, and then you get two more turns, two more Hawkins Insight triggers, two more spells cast you can yeah, probably if you have another extra turn or two like socked away it's gonna yeah. be over because yeah yeah each extra turn is plus remember you still get to cast the cards out of your hand and still draw cards for mm-hmm, turn and mm-hmm, stuff so mm-hmm. it's not like it turns off your ability to just normally play it just does also cast your extra turn spell that you put away for free yeah so i think that's how you play the competitive version of this deck you just have tons of fast mana in there you flip it over and then just try to chain together five extra turns win with an game. annihilator for eldrazi and you win the game yep that there's not too much else past that. That's how extra turn decks generally tend to work anyway, and you know this is no different. Yeah, be the friend of your you table. You can play Elrond's Epiphany because everybody loves that card, I hear. <laughs> They'll love you. Next is the fate. <laughs> They'll love you. Um, and then you also have ways to double up the triggers. So if you're playing Hawkins Insight and you want to get two of them, you got your Strionic Resonator, so that's two upkeep triggers, two more cards to look at. Lithoform Engines, yada, yada, yada. I think this is a a magnet for removal, though. This card, if I see it, I'm trying to kill it. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, you're in blue. Yeah. So you're in the best color to protect your stuff because you can run all the counterspells, the Force of Negations, the Swan Songs, the, you know... uh, Force of Will. Just regular (laughs) counterspell. All that is here. So you have the best chance to sort of flip this over. And because you're casting something huge for free, you can hold up your mana, right? It's not costing you much your mana. So you have a much better... I just think... Mono blue is always in such a so, such a better position than most of the other colors to kind of maintain their edge once they do their big thing. Yeah. Because they're able to s- just, I was going to say stifle, but that's a card. They're able to stop <laughs> the, uh, the opponent's things. response to it, you know? Yeah. They just have blanket answers, catch-all answers, you know, where you're sitting there with a sword of plowshares and then sometimes it doesn't do anything against Hawkins Insight or whatever. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. And there's certain crazy. combos where there's just never... a point where uh, a creature pinpoint removal spell will really you know solve your issue but uh, yep. most of the time counterspell will yeah so <clears throat> i think jacob hawk actually pretty powerful the most shields down you'll be is the turn that you try and flip him for a six mana but at that point hopefully you're holding up pact negation force negation whatever it is to protect it and win with it um if you're going to throw this in the 99 because you're exiling a card from your hand Raynar the ever watchful is the flying foretell sort of card from uh, the Kaldheim sets and you get to make a 1-1 spirit every time. So Raynor could just be good there as just a regular tap, draw, discard, or exile And you card. just never flip Jacob? In yeah, that case? unless you Because Jacob's something. flip side is... Uh, exile from your library which yep. is interesting yep. yeah so okay. rare might he's just like a better like the best kind of merfolk looter for that deck and then maybe this goes in the joda deck uh, i don't know i mean at, at a certain point i think jacob is just better by himself um but there's also like min wily illusionist which lets you every he cares about drawing more than one card a turn and then you make some illusions and they can put some permanence big onto the battlefield blah 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 blah. there's some options here i think jacob is just probably best by himself this may and maybe i'm speaking out of turn this may just be a cedh level deck if done right I mean, Mono Blue just kind of can be because of, you know, you got the Thassa's Oracles and it's a self-contained uh, yeah. thing. So it's definitely possible. Will it be better than the other Mono Blue options out there? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. All right, let's move on to the next one, which is Catilda Dawnheart Martyr. It's one white white for a star star spirit warlock. Has flying lifelink and protection from vampires. Oh, 
Katilda's power and toughness are each equal to the number of permanents you control that are spirits and or enchantments. So, uh, Katilda is a spirit, so at least a 1-1. One, one. Oh, okay. Nice. Doesn't just die on entry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has Disturb for three white-white, so you may cast this card uh, from your graveyard transformed for its Disturb cost. So, if Katilda's ever in your graveyard, you know, most normal commanders you put back in the command zone when they die. You don't have to do that, obviously, and mm-hmm. Katilda may want to go to your graveyard sometimes. You can pay the five mana, and then it comes into play as Katilda's Rising Dawn, which is a legendary enchantment aura. It enchants a creature, and it says enchanted creature has lifelink, flying, and gets protection from vampires. Ah, makes it Katilda. And it gets plus X plus X, where X is the number of permanents you control that are spirits and or enchantments. So it makes it exactly Katilda, plus whatever its power and toughness was, I suppose, and whatever its abilities were. Um, And then if Katilda's Rising Dawn would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. So you don't just get to keep putting it back in there and disturbing it. Right. uh, Which I guess, you know, would have been pretty, pretty powerful. It, it's 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 interesting because the first time you cast Katilda, it's three. Then you let it go to the graveyard for mm-hmm. the sake of argument. You don't have to, but then it costs five to disturb. Then it would cost five to cast Katilda, and then seven then it goes. Oh no! Then five from the graveyard. Then again. five from the graveyard. Right. Then seven. Then, then five from again. The so it it kind of it. I don't want to say it bypasses commander tax, but it does interesting things with it. Where it's, the commander tax for this card doesn't feel as bad, maybe. Yeah, it does force you to really play into the whole enchantment aura part of it because you want to stack this on something that's going to be powerful. Um, I don't think protection against vampires matters at all. If it ever. might matter for like the next two months, yeah, maybe. Because if if anything, we'll see more vampire decks for a little while. Yeah, until like Neon Dynasty comes out. And then it'll probably go back to normal. Too bad it doesn't have protection from ninjas. Yeah, or protection from, I don't know, instants. That would be nicer. Um, I think... I think <laughs> that would be like, way nicer. <laughs> yeah, obviously. That'd be a very powerful card in that case. Um, I think this is a go-wide type deck because the more things you have, the more spirits or enchantments, the bigger this gets. Oh, interesting. So I think you want to stick this on something. You that's go spirit go-wide? Yeah, spirit go-wide. Oyobi is a card that when there be play spirit or a cane spell, including Katilda, you make a 3-3 white spirit creature token. Those are the perfect kind of things to stack the backside of Katilda's thing on. I like that too because when you disturb Katilda out, yeah. you need a target to put the enchantment or on, right? It's not a creature itself. Yeah. So yeah, if you've yeah, made yeah. a bunch of tokens, they kill Katilda and you go, okay, fine, I'll make this token into a Katilda now. Mm-hmm. And there's just lots of different spirits. If you look at the the Spirit Squadron deck, you'll see obviously a ton of interesting includes in here, including like, well, in our uh, budget upgrade video, we want to put Kamiya False Hope in, which is a Spirit Fog. There's Hanged Executioner, which is like Spirit Removal. And then, spirit of course, Fog is funny because that's what Millicent's art looks like. Yeah. That is a Spirit Fog behind her. <laughs> there it is. Actually, all spirits might be a fog. It's if like you think behind about it. Aragorn when all the Army of the Dead, that's a Spirit Fog. The most OP moment. That's another one of those, like, why didn't they just do that from the beginning? Why don't you save that and, and do that against Sauron? Yeah, Okay, right. never mind. All right, all right. Um, there's, I guess you could go voltron as well, because it's enchantment auras, but in mono white, doesn't seem terribly amazing. It, yeah, it counts enchantments, so you could do sort of a Voltron sub-theme of, you know, put indestructible, the mm-hmm. enchantment on it, you know, some of the, like, Hyena Umbra, Armored Ascension, kind of buff it up. Yeah. White has a lot of that stuff, and white also has, like, Smothering Tithe, Land Tax, Sphere of Safety, like, other really good enchantments yeah. that will just also serve. Sphere of Safety seems great in that deck because, you know, you're like, hey, I got to swing with my one huge thing here that's like a, 
18 18 yeah but also you have to pay 15 minutes to attack me with anything so you know i don't really care yeah and i'm lifelinking i'm getting a ton mm. of life yeah i do think that this goes better in the 99 of an enchantress deck hmm. because the backside's an enchantment and if you in those decks typically you're drawing so many cards you have sithis or whoever it is your commander you've got 15 enchantments out you play the backside of katilda this thing just gets plus 15 plus 15 it's like a nettle cyst type card and then it's a way for an enchantment deck to actually win yeah thank goodness we need more of those and so then you're smacking in for a ton flying lifelink all that good stuff i like that because man enchantment decks can draw a lot of cards and put a lot of stuff out and you're still if you're like you did a lot are we dead yeah no go and uh, then it's also like everyone play his card all right five things happen yeah would you like to go through them so i don't need to think about Does it any of that kill me no no dang it dang it yeah <laughs> so i like katilda for a night in the 99 of a deck i think by itself this could be maybe an interesting spirit deck but you want other colors if you're going travel typically yeah it doesn't seem like a particularly powerful mono white commander just because mono white doesn't have still all the ramp and card draw that's really going to need to make katilda like work doesn't so. say card draw on yep. it bummer all right, we got one more we're going to talk about to go, and this one is from the Vampire Precon deck, Vampiric Bloodline. Um, it is Timothar, Baron of Bats. It's four black black for a four four legendary creature, Vampire Noble. Has Ward, discard a card. What that means is if uh, one of your opponents goes to target Timothar, they have to discard a card to get past the Ward, otherwise that uh, spell or ability is countered. Yep. Whenever another non-token vampire you control dies... You may pay one and exile it. If you do, create a 1-1 black bat creature token with flying. It gains when this creature deals combat damage to a player, sacrifice it, and return the exiled card to the battlefield tapped. Ooh. So that's a lot of words, but whenever a vampire that's not a token dies, you turn it into a bat. The card gets exiled. It gets tucked away somewhere. Right. And then when that bat hits a, a player then it turns back into the creature that it was. You sacrifice the bat and the creature that got exiled comes back. So you're really looking at like vampire ETB tribal, right? Because mm -hmm. you get the end of the battlefield when, you, when it comes in, you sack it or it dies, becomes the bat, and then the bat turns back into the creature. So you get the ETB a second time. And then also, yep. because now you got a vampire on the battlefield, you could have it die and become a bat again, pay the one um, for the activated ability of Timothar, turn into the bat, hit him again. So you can keep that going. You know, obviously... The downside here is if you exile the creature and it, you make the bat oh, yeah. and then somebody <laughs> kills the bat before it does combat damage to the, any player, See ya. the vampire is just stuck in exile forever now. Yeah, I, I like Timothy a lot. It's actually, could you make a Tim deck around this? It is Tim, right? <laughs> Tim. <laughs> there are some who calls me Timothar. Um, there are some who call me Tim. Athar? Athar? <laughs> So the, some of the best options here are Bloodline Necromancer. It's a uh, vampire that when the ETBs, you can return a vampire or wizard creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. Bat field uh. <laughs> so you get to do that over and over again with timothar now keep in mind the bats have to hit another you player with dad jokes this i know episode. i'm feeling it's it like, yeah. uh there's blood tithe collector when it enters the battlefield if an opponent lost life this turn each opponent discards a card which is exactly what happens when you hit them with a bat right so yeah that, think how good that is you hit them play this they all discard a card you sack it it turns into a bat you hit them with a the bat play it, it comes back they discard a card like that's so brutal yeah that's not a lot of fun for your opponents champion of dusk is the one that where you're going to draw x cards and lose x life for x the number of vampires you control so that's these are just again ways you just want to keep doing this sort of thing um malakir blood witch is a way to make everyone drain life uh simultaneously. how many vampires yeah, you got yeah. blah 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 patron of the vein destroys creatures and pumps your other creatures uh 
yeah i like this one simple cards like this one are, are going to be real important in this deck dusk legion zealot it's one in the black for a one one when there is the battlefield you draw a card and you lose a life which is like the classic black thing to do and you want to do a lot of that in this yeah deck. and then if you have a sack outlet it's great but also like you just block with a one one it's just going to thwart aggression because you want your thing yeah. to die to turn into a bat so you can attack and it comes back and draws you another card it's very thematic i like the idea of it like you know it's it's always in those movies when they try and kill the vampire yeah. it, it push into a bat and it flies away and and you're like ah oh, dang it <laughs> yeah um same thing with drawn the last blood chief uh we, this was played by d on the game nights uh so you can you know it's attacking a bunch you're going to bring a lot of stuff back blah 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 i think if you wanted to go kind of nuts you can make all your creatures vampires we have Maskwood, nexus and conspiracy both cards that allow you to mess with the tribal factor so now all of a sudden you can make some other interesting cards into black and you have every tutor in the world to get these cards in your hand yeah conspiracy is an enchantment that sort of also does this and i think because black is such a good tutor color there's probably like an alternate timothar deck and yeah honestly i'm sorry i hate to say it but it's probably more powerful than the vampire one probably where you just turn you get your main goal is tutor for masswood nexus or conspiracy early in the game name vampires and then from then on out all the other creatures you play are just vampires and they will trigger the bat thing and now you can have like gray merchant of asphodel oh yeah or uh sadisi undead vizier is really good as oh, a yeah. bat thing shriek maw because it evokes immediately turns into the bat then yeah does the oh thing. my gosh those so, are both really good and then black has a lot of etb effects that are like that and yeah. now you're just saying oh you don't also have to be a vampire so you can go in that direction too i think yeah it's pro- the deck is probably a mix of the good vampires like the ones we mentioned because they're after a while you're not going to get amazing ones and then the conspiracy mask with nexus combo to get your other cards out i mean i think it's fine if people are like oh i want to make this kind of vampire deck and i want to keep a vampire tribal that's mm-hmm. that's cool too but yeah there's probably a version of the deck that's just like no i'm going to use the the quote-unquote historically good kokusho style stuff right turn that into vampire oh now man be brutal right just multiple yeah. kokusho triggers that's yeah awesome. i mean great merchant is already brutal enough but yeah. yeah and then i guess you can you want to run a lot of sack effects because you want to be able to get rid of the creatures and then turn them into bats so kalitas is a vampire that does so so is yeheni another card that does so and then you got your regular like vampiric rites uh oh i really like soren imperious bloodlord this is an older soren uh because it allows you to sacrifice a vampire and then soren does three damage to any target and you gain three life so it can also be like a murder spell with the plus one and it's pretty cheap to get out man soren not looking great in <laughs> he's looking more like edgar looks now yeah. that should actually give hope to edgar that he's going to be okay. Yeah, because you can come back because you look at Soren now. Soren looks amazing right. in this set. So, Edgar, don't worry. You'll, you'll be good. Yeah. Drink, you drink some more blood. Get a little blood. Botox. You're going to be fine. Botox, blood tox, I guess. <laughs> um, and then you have Vampiric Rites, Diabolic Intent. These are always to sack creatures and get extra value. Draw some cards. Viscera Seer, blah, blah, blah. Viscera Seer is a vampire too, right? It is so a vampire. That's, really that's right. Good. That's right. That's right. Uh, diabolic Intent, yeah. I really like because you could sack a vampire to go find, or any creature to go find your Max, Max Wood Nexus. Nexus. Yeah. Uh, Vampirocrats, the next. <laughs> Um, category, which is a lot of the cards that sort of pay you off for what is, we call aristocrats mm-hmm. are vampires. So Blood Artist yeah. is, the, is sort of the most quintessential and it comes in the Vampire Precon oh. Aristocrats card, which says, you know, when a creature uh, you control dies or any creature any dies. Creature, yeah. yeah, when a creature dies, you drain one of your opponents for one. So the fact that you're going to be sacking your creatures, turning them into bats, sacking those bats, turning them back into creatures 
is a loop that will pay you off on Blood Artist, on Fal- Falcon Wrath Noble. Noble. Yeah, really good. And yeah, I don't, you can even run the non-vampire ones too, but you know, if you want to run the uh, Zulaport Cutthroats and stuff, I think it would be fine. And then there's like Butcher of Malakir, Grave Pack Dictate of Arrow Synergies because you're oh, sacrificing your creatures over and over. There's a way, you know, there's a mean version of this too where you're like, yeah, not only am I sacrificing my creatures, turning them into bass, sacking those, but every time I do that, you're losing creatures and you can just never keep creatures on the board. You really need it though because you need your bats to hit someone in yeah. order to turn back into the creatures they are um, flying though you're gonna be able to hit one player yeah i think the thing with timothar is it, it is pretty fragile because it requires timothar to be out but it does make people discard the card to target him with the ward so that is relevant and but the entire strategy sort of hinges around timothar otherwise you're just kind of playing like a typical black keep people at bay murder everything but honestly deck. all those cards are good they all have etb effects so even sure. if timothar is not out and the one thing i like about timothar as opposed to some of these blink decks right where if Timothar's not out, you play a card like, you know, uh, Bloodline Necromancer, get mm-hmm. another, you get the trigger, and then you can play Timothar afterwards, sack it, and ah, still, you know, okay. he doesn't have to be out at the time that you play the card. Yeah. You could play like Vex Vampire Hexmage and just remove, just never let anyone have any counters or anything, because you'll always just keep bringing this back over and over again. I don't know. Black's got a lot of ways to do this thing. So, Timothar seems like it's like got its hand in a few pies. It's really just sort of up to you, the player, what direction you're willing to push it in. I think it simulates a blink deck about as good as black has been able to yeah that's right a good point I I like I, that. but it's not just blink like you said vampire hex mage and things like that also work with it because yeah. that's a sacrifice effect right um so if you're sacrificing stuff for value which black always does you can get that value that way too pretty cool card i like it i yeah. like the design on it okay okay well, that's gonna do it for the monocolored commanders thank goodness there weren't too many our throats are saved. Our throats to... are saved. We still do have the uh, in the 99 analysis yep. coming up. And then I think we have one of the budget pre-con upgrades still coming up. So we got a little more Crimson Vow to talk about. But again, we're trying to limit our set review um, season for each set. So that'll be it. Okay. Let's really quickly here, Jimmy. We like to do a little wrap up talking about what we think is the most powerful mm-hmm. new uh, monocolored commander that we talked about today. I think we agree. Yeah. It's, it's got to be the mono blue one. Jacob. Bub. I think Donald's also pretty good, but Jacob, I think, is the most powerful. Yeah, yeah Donald, I think, has is the most fair of them all. It, also, not that fair, but Jacob is the one that just says, flip it, win the game, sometimes. Yeah. If you do the extra turns version, it feels like it's going to be quite powerful. Yeah. Uh, and then our personal favorite new monocolored commander. You want to go first? Yeah, I like Timothar. I think Timothar speaks to what I like to do. Steal creatures, sacrifice them, sacrifice creatures, get stuff back, reuse things over and over again. And I really, again, like the theme of turning them into bats and then back into creatures. Yeah. I think I'm going to say Donal, because uh, I think it is a cool thing to sort of get double of anything that you cast. Yeah. It's not super complicated. But Double it sounds, Donal. It sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, to the listeners, let us know, as always, what commanders of the six monocolor ones are you excited to build? Or maybe even the multicolor ones. Obviously, we're still in Crimson Val season. So if you have any sweet tech that we missed, let us know. You can comment in the YouTube video. You can tweet at us. You can talk to us pretty much everywhere. Our patrons get to talk to us on Discord. So that's like the premium way to be like, hey, what does Jimmy and Josh think about this cool combo? Yeah, you definitely can ask us questions directly, and we answer all our patrons just as fast as we possibly can. Uh, don't forget, if you want to pick up any of these cards or any of the cards or, or any of the multicolored commanders or you want to get a set booster or a collector's booster or something cool like that. Oh, yeah. Or any card from yeah. History of Magic. Go to channelfireball.com <laughs> slash command. That is uh, supporting us and supporting all of our content while simultaneously getting all the magic cards you want. Uh, you can also order, you know, cool product and uh, Ultra Pro things like uh, these deck boxes. I do like these deck boxes. I don't know for sure that these are available on the marketplace because they these tend to be hard to find. They're mm-hmm. so popular that they sell out very fast. But 
products like this are available there. Um, yeah, these Ultra Pro deck boxes with the nice leather finish that we keep talking about are just so, so sweet. And they're- they catch your eye the moment you enter a room too. You just can't stop looking at them. Yeah, they're very classy just the way they've done it with the stitching, with the leather finish and everything like that. So really, really like them. If you ever find them at your LGS or on uh, the Channel Fireball Marketplace or something like that, definitely highly recommend picking them up. You won't be- uh, you won't be disappointed. You put them down on the table, like Jimmy said. People go, whoa, that's cool. Yep, and, you're, and it fits a whole double sleeve commander deck, all that good stuff. Uh, okay, it's time for the end step. We're going to talk about something cool outside the world of magic. This and one you're very excited about, or dreading, I don't know. I am excited, but I, I, I wish I wasn't, because excitement can lead to disappointment. Yeah, manage those expectations. Although I will say, with Dune, I was pleasantly surprised and happy with how it came out, and I wasn't too excited going in this, so... So, so far, we've had uh, two of my favorite books of all time turned into mass media in the past, like, two months. Yeah, pretty crazy. And Dune, I agree, was a win. Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was happy with it. Foundation... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't make it past the first the second episode uh, yeah the second episode was pretty bad it got a little yeah. better but like yeah uh, yeah i'll just say uh, on that one um and the third one is coming up and i think is actually these were my favorite books for a long long time oh, um, wow. in my tail end of high school i started reading them and then you know there's like a million books and all the books are like a thousand pages so mm -hmm. like a lot invested in this series so it's the wheel of time and it is a huge high fantasy sprawling epic along the lines of Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. And I would say more sprawling, more epic and yeah. more complicated than either of those by, a, you know, by a pretty wide margin, uh, which makes me trepidatious because that's a lot to try and, you know, put on screen yeah, in the yeah. fantasy series and all that. But Amazon Prime is, uh, is trying to pull it off. And this first season of the series starts on November 19th. Um, Do we the, know if it's going to be like hour-long episodes? I'm assuming. I'm assuming they're hour-long. One of the yeah. great things about streaming is like they don't have to stick to exactly an hour, but it's probably like in the mold of Game of Thrones. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it. I think they're going to do it weekly, but probably do the thing. The, the new uh, model seems to be that like you start a series and you drop like two to three of them at mm -hmm. the beginning and then you drop them weekly. Yeah, get them invested, get them hooked enough into the story that they know what's happening or about to happen kind of, right? But they're not doing that thing that Netflix did for a long time anymore, it seems like, where they Everything just drop the entire season all at once. Yeah. Uh, so Wheel of Time comes out on November 19th on Prime and Jimmy, you've seen the trailers and stuff. I think it looks pretty decent but that's the thing about trailers and you should know this yeah. as a trailer editor <laughs> yep. you really can't tell sometimes sometimes you can sometimes you're like oh no that can't it's like can't put lipstick on a pig but this pig looks pretty good I, I, I like to say that if it looks bad from a trailer it's almost certainly bad ah okay because if you couldn't make it look good then th there's, <laughs> there's probably no not way. enough good stuff there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But yeah. if it looks good from a trailer, it does not guarantee that it's good because right. trailer people are good enough at polishing things up that they can make something that's mediocre look good. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but I will say the trailers look pretty cool. I Every time I've watched something, I've tried to avoid it. Mm -hmm. um, I've been like, oh, dang it, it looks cool. I'm starting <laughs> to get excited. I'm starting to get excited. It's a really, really cool story. It, it has a cool, unique magic system. I'm obviously talking about it because I hope it's good. I hope it does well, and I want people to watch it so that they keep making it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm trying to encourage everybody out in the audience. It's Amazon, though. They're dropping buco bucks on series, so yeah. hopefully they, it get, patches whatever metric it needs to get past because... It has Rosamund Pike in it. She looks great. I uh, mean, how many books are there now? There are, are there 13 books? There are all, And they're all 1,000 pages each, minimum? Yeah, they're, there? uh, some of them are like 700. I mean, if you stacked them, they would easily be like... Wow. The, the, 
off the screen probably so that means that there is minimum at least 13 seasons potentially right that's the idea yeah listen i don't want to okay should we get into this so robert (laughs) jordan who wrote the books he got sick and ended up passing away before finishing the series and our good friend brandon sanderson who was Mm -hmm. on this show actually stepped in and finished the last three books of the series and did a bang up job by the way yeah um but there it me i'd say like the first six and seven books are awesome amazing and then it meanders and starts to get a little bit it loses its way a little bit in there and, and Game of Thrones getting, <laughs> yeah i think robert jordan is getting sick and it's hard once you know as your world creating i think it gets hard you you throw out all these strands and these stories develop and then it's like oh i gotta bring these all back in and end it in some way and i right. think i think that was tough um but it does it does end in a really cool way so there are some stuff in the middle i think they could just cut down okay so maybe we don't have to have 13 14 seri- seasons of this thing uh it'd be nice to get it down to like seven or eight like game of thrones it would have to be mega popular to make it to that end but there are like points along the way that I think you could wrap up the story as it were in some way, maybe sort of like the end question mark. I don't know. I'm not worried about the end at this point. I just hope it gets past the beginning and doesn't trip and fall on his face. You know? Yeah. That would be a bummer. Like foundation really was upsetting because it looked great. That was one where the trailers looked sweet and I was like, Oh, this is gonna be cool. Big sci-fi action. And it was like, Oh, I don't know. Yes, by, by like the middle of the second episode, you're like, I don't uh, care. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Even though I like the actors and I like the setting. So, fingers crossed, November 19th on Prime, Wheel of Time. There, are, I've been seeing online, too. There's a lot of attention being paid to this. This is a very popular series, so. Yeah, they have a really big Twitter community. I tweeted out about it a couple of times and just got like tons of people talking to me about it. <laughs> like, whoa. So, yeah, Wheel of Time, please watch it. At least the first couple of episodes. Yeah, if you don't like it, it from there. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Clean up stuff. Big thanks to our amazing team here at the Command Zone, which is <gasps> Arthur Meadowcroft, Lady Danger, Man. Lund, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Bridgen, Sam Waldo, Gaurav Galati, Truck Tie, Jamie Block, Damon Lynn, Shauna Gillis, and Evan Limberger. Holy moly. Hey, you did that pretty well. Is that all in breath? Yeah, it all, I always try to. One time I got close and I, I failed halfway through. I had to take, we a, would not pass take a breath Jamie around Jamie test, or yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who occasionally does the Living Card animation behind this, but most importantly, does the ones that start our show, that awesome soaring. You can find him on Twitter at Living Cards MTG. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. And we will see you for the next review thing. Peace. Bye-bye. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>